0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mastering Dungeons. I'm Sean Merwin here with the long-suffering Teos Avadia. Hey, Teos,
1: how's it going? Oh, suffering is a harsh word. I am, I am nothing but pleasured by this experience. You know that, Sean.
0: Well, I say long-suffering because I just realized that although our math might be a little fuzzy, this is the 100th episode since you joined as a permanent co-host.
1: Wow. And do you know, it's almost... Two years, not to the day, but it's like, uh, I think, like, earlier this week was two years since we first recorded our episode.
0: Wow. So this episode, two years? This is two years long. Oh, (laughs) yes. That's why I meant long suffering. But
1: but wait till we get our basketball segment, which will be like, it'll feel like three years. Exactly, exactly. Well, <laughs> Man, it's been un- a
0: unfortunately, Funny. the NBA season is uh, sort of on rest mode here, so we can talk about the draft, but I don't think oh, yeah. Mike, Mike oh, would, uh, Mike's probably not into the draft, just the actual games. So. Yeah, I yeah, know, he's he's a fan of all of it, I'm sure. I'm sure. So since, you know, since it's called Mastering Dungeons, we probably oh. should talk about D&D, and our first bit of news is that Dragon Plus is no more. Um, we got to Issue 41, which is significant. Uh, it's you know not just a flash in the pan one-year thing. But after uh, at Issue 41, which we reviewed back in April, obviously came out a few months ago, and a, an additional page was added to Issue 41 uh, by Bart Carroll, who is the editor, saying that this will be the final issue to be published in its current format.
1: Yeah, I, thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny because um, this all sort of came to my attention when um, uh, Christian from comicbook.com sort of said, wow, it's been a while since Dragon Plus released an issue, which is what I said last time. Like in April, I actually tweeted Bart Carroll and said, is Dragon Plus dead? And then, boom, an issue appeared. And so yeah. this time I'm like, this is kind of funny that, you know, again, it's coming up whether it's alive or not. And I went to look it up and, and I saw a page I hadn't seen before. I'm like, oh, there must have been an issue I missed. And I'm like, no, actually, this is the issue <laughs> that we last looked at. But it has this new page that's just been snuck in there that yeah. says it's the final one. So I was like, hey, Christian, this is over. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, it's mm-hmm. no
1: more. But then they also slipped something into there, too, which was interesting. Yeah. This news of August 18th, Wizards Presents.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. which we will talk about in a minute. It was interesting when you tweeted about you know Dragon Plus you know being no more. The sort of responses that you got sort of were emblematic of what Dragon Plus started as, what it became, and not, not that it's the a good or a bad thing or anyone's fault that it turned into what it did because. Technology even in those, you know, few years changed and what was expected and what other offerings were out there changed. So it's not surprising that Dragon Plus changed and then sort of folded.
1: Yeah, I mean it tried to be a sort of app because I think back when it started the idea was be on sort of the iPhone bookshelf. And sort of that kind of concept and so they contracted with this company to sort of create this app-like experience but what that meant was even though you could see it on the web you couldn't really link reliably to anything you couldn't find things reliably it was hard to page through Mm -hmm. table contents didn't really work you know your back button wouldn't work correctly and the app experience wasn't really flawless either right and so i think it made it hard to to enjoy and it was interesting seeing how many people responded with yeah i haven't looked at it in a long time and then a right. couple of people were like, oh, I love it. But um, yeah. but one theme that came off and often, and we've said this too, is it was really heavy on the marketing angle, like unabashedly so, right? It, it was like, it was almost like a glossy press release the kind of, you know, that, that you yeah. are deliberately giving to other marketing people or something. And so it's all buzzwords, all yeah. pushy versus... You know being subtle about it right it kind of hit you over the head with its marketing
0: right and and even you know there's a way to do marketing that provides content to people that don't want marketing that want game material that want something you know world information rules those sorts of things and there's a way to do marketing that way and I, they they did it a, a few times, but you know, for the most part, it, it was literally a, you know, a nice full page ad. And and, you know, as I think we as consumers are getting smarter and smarter, um, I, I remember reading an article maybe four years ago that says we spend American or, you know, European mm-hmm. culture, people who who are absorbing that spend four years of their life uh, seeing advertising. (laughs) Uh, So if you think about that uh, and I think we've even gotten sort of more turned off by advertising uh, over the years, especially traditional advertising that it it was sort of hard to get through an, an issue of dragon plus all the way with, all of this sort of advertising being thrown at us
1: and there were some brilliant parts in it i mean like recently they did that series where max dunbar would draw Mm -hmm. an npc and their companion and then there would be these stat blocks that i think it was adam lee would write Mm um that were and, and and backgrounds for these characters or npcs and you know things like that were great but and, and you'd have like free map downloads and things like that, but it was so hard to to, to get everybody around it or even notice it. And yeah, I mean, I, I got a couple of replies that were like, "What is Dragon Plus?" And yeah. Like, okay. Well, there was sorry. that.
0: I, I mm-hmm. took over writing the Best of the DMs Guild uh, column yeah. for several issues. I don't know if it was more than a year, but it was probably probably around a year or more. And my pitch was, let me actually review these things right let's talk about what's great about them what's weak about them uh yeah. that sort of thing and i got back and no we don't want that we just want you know sort oh, of so, sort of the marketing side of things yeah. and and so i i sort of compromised by sneaking in sidebars that were hey here's some here's some design tips uh that were spurred on by these yeah. things so but you know, it, there was this. Even in those articles, the sort of marketing thing. It was fun to do, and I read a lot of great things on on the guild because of it. But it, you know, it was it was still a uh, still sort yeah. of marketing centric.
1: I've heard similar things from other folks who worked in in some capacity with the magazine, and and that's I think that's unfortunate. I think the. It's stronger when there's passion, right? And I think you can see that, for example, the D&D Beyond videos where Mm -hmm. those interviews that Tom Kenrick has done, whether for D&D Beyond or before that, when he can communicate, when he can pull out of someone the passion behind why they designed a thing Mm -hmm. and make that appeal to different folks, right? To to, to designers, to fans, to potential DMs, all of that becomes a fun vehicle rather than just marketing while, of course, it is marketing, right? Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to segue from marketing to sort of marketing related, (laughs) uh, we we have the any award winners (laughs) as we are recording this, the any awards were last night. So they took place at Gen Con 2022, uh, a great bunch of winners. Again, we're not going to list them out, but we have a link uh, in our show notes to the, nominees and then the winners so you know if you're in the industry and you were nominated or you won congratulations it's great that we have this sort of vehicle to to recognize to give some sort of publicity to to those uh in the field um more importantly thank you to uh, everyone who supported all of these products because you uh, we're in a great time to be a role-playing game player and designer but without the players we're we're not able to do what we do so you know thank you so much
1: and those champions who are out there creating such a diversity Mm -hmm. of role-playing games uh, and gaming experiences and products and that's that's awesome right that wide creativity you see across all these different games and one thing, you know, it's easy to get a little jaded about how the NEs operates because they're, they're sort of imperfect by their very foundational yeah. nature. But when you see folks on Twitter just mm. overjoyed at having won yeah. a silver or gold, yeah. that is, that's lovely, right? And, and there yeah. were just so many people that were like that, just over the moon with having been named. And, and, and that mm-hmm. tells you how important these awards can be.
0: Yeah, And we should also mention congratulations to the Diana Jones Award winner this year, uh, who you got to interview on the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, seeing Agent George win was great. I I thought he was sort of a lock for it because of, I think, anybody who looks into what he's doing. And we tried to talk about this a fair bit on on that interview on the show. But he's, it's not like he's just like, oh, I want to make Radiant Citadel or I want to work on Van Richten's. He is trying to fundamentally change how companies understand the benefits of diversity and how they approach diversity. And he's right. working with MCDM and he's working with Monty Cook Games and he's working with a lot of different other companies to help them be not just receptive, but engage directly mm-hmm. with bringing diverse talent into the industry. And yeah. and that's amazing, right? That's that's. It's you know it's like a dream that one would think like how does one attain this and he's just doing it yeah <laughs> that's, it's unbelievable right. so I hope he, I hope he keeps going and 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 I'm glad that the industry you know the Diana Jones is sort of a an insiders group that really thinks about what is fundamentally impactful to the industry and, and that so that they saw that is also a really great indication that that a wide crew is is seeing the benefits of this and of someone who's willing to, to enact change at that level. That's awesome.
0: Right. And the, the just sheer number of hours that he's spending doing this, you know, yeah. that is not, he's not getting compensated for no. know, on top is, of
1: running a nonprofit. But exactly.
0: Job, right. Just, exactly. So, you know, congratulations. We couldn't be happier uh, for you. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, DM David has a new, blog post about the right monster for the job. And I'm going to let Teos take this.
1: Yeah, this is a really, you know, uh, I was traveling a fair bit. So I hadn't read it. Like I always love to read his website. And uh, but I heard people talking about how great this was. And so I'm like, all right, I got to go look at this. And sure enough, David Hartledge's uh, blog post is, is amazing. He breaks down monsters. Uh, into the d 5e monsters, into various functional groups. And I mean, I can only imagine what, what it must have looked like for him to be going through and figuring all this out. It's, it's really neat. But he, he breaks them into categories like, you know, like what are creatures that ambush from hiding? What are creatures that act as bodyguards for other monsters? Um, what are creatures that hoard secrets and lore, uh, function as guards or impersonators? Mount. Yeah. All these other categories. So it's it's just a fantastic resource for any DM, any author who, who is looking through, you know, ideas for encounters. This gives you all that answer.
0: Yeah. It's uh it's a sort of the four E had the roles for, for monsters in combat. This is the story based roles for for monsters in your games. Yeah. Uh which is equally important to to think about you know when you're designing say an adventure or running running a campaign
1: yeah really really great work and and, and uh this is the kind of you know the, the, i love blogs that i read and i go okay i have to save this to my hard drive like yep. i have to put this in a special place and and have that because it's uh, amazing
0: <laughs> Yeah. the next bit of news is something that will be coming very shortly which is wizards presents so on august 18th online we will see wizards presents what is wizards presents it's the next big announcement so from ray wininger we got this tweet dnd fans will be surprised by how much we'll reveal at wizards presents big announcements including something we've been teasing for years so we've seen sort of two ends of the spectrum on what these announcements are. Sometimes we think we're waiting for a super huge announcement, and it's something that you know we right. either already knew about or it's one sort of small thing. and then we get the ones where they reveal like their next two years of products. Yeah. and we'll see where this one uh comes comes in
1: using uh, for years yeah so I mean what, what do you, what, what what do you think what, What's your guess on that?
0: I years for me is different than you know. For me, years is is twenty years, and for mm. someone else, it might be two
1: years. So I, I yeah, and I Ray's can't, been there how many years? Right, like four years or something like that. So.
0: Right. I mean, it could be a tabletop.
1: It could be a virtual
0: tabletop that mm. they're getting ready to uh, to reveal. It, I mean, you know, it could be yeah.
1: landscape, right? Like. It, a Mojo right. on March type thing would make right. sense because there have been a yeah. lot of little bits that could point to that.
0: Right. That's so right. So there's there's different there's different levels or different spheres yeah. of what it could be. Right. What's it could be a TV series. Right? It could be a game related thing. Yeah. It could be setting related. It could be it could be anything. So uh, I, I don't know, but I will be paying attention on August 18th to see what uh what comes
1: out. Yeah, and the the image that is for this wizard's presents uh graphic just shows like just a warden, a beholder and boo. Right. And the boo image is from spelljammer. So it, it, nothing here and then there's magic stuff on the other half. N- nothing here gives anything away. So I'd right. I'll, I'll be very curious what uh what this yeah. is.
0: Right, let's I saw boo and I was you know, the boo is sort of jumping out of the picture at you. So I just focused on that and I'm like, okay, it's something to do with Baldur's Gate or, or, you know, Planescape or Spelljammer or something of that nature. And then I saw the other images and I'm like, wait, these are all from all over the place. So it's, it's more of a multiverse kind of thing. So maybe they're announcing a multiverse. Who who knows? Uh,
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully it will be
0: quality and quantity <laughs> of announcements mm-hmm. that we've been waiting for. So <clears throat> we are, we are going to now talk about uh, the D starter set, the new starter set dragons of stormwreck isle. And we are going to review it. We're going to review it in a couple of different ways. We're going to review it as to what's in it and sort of how it plays to new players, new DMs, as well as established players. But we're also going to get into our main topic, which is right, 5e, D&D, where it has been and where it's going. Because this uh, product, the starter set, sort of gets into some of the topics that we've already talked about, as well as some that we are going to talk about. So as we do this review, you know, we'll tell you what's in it and what we think of it, but we'll also get into those sorts of topics of what do we want the next edition to be? And how should it be presented? And so on. So it's it's and, the and, news main topic combined.
1: And and yeah, and and I think that's, it's really kind of neat, even as as I was cracking the seal on this, I was thinking like, wow, this really does relate to our investigation of, of what 5e looks like. Uh, because there, there are some obvious changes here that they've made deliberately. Uh, but even stepping back you know say so this is a box set it's a it's another starter set we've had the original starter set we have this starter set um we have the uh essentials kit mm-hmm. and um and 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 one question is why now like why another right. starter set and and when that question was asked sort of the 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 d and d team's answer was well because um we wanted to revise it and make it Sort of easier for new people. And we wanted to add um more kind of hooks tools that that are online that people could get to. But but it's still I think it's a, a good question to ask, sort of like, you know, why do this now? Like why not wait till twenty twenty four? Or hmm. but uh but you know, and so maybe but there must have been that assessment of we do need a new engine to sort of bring in new people and, and some sort of excitement on that on that level. Yeah. Um, it is interesting to me. They again chose to sell this at Target first. Mm-hmm. And as you said in the interview with Dave, you know, you can get it at, at Gen Con through Baldwin Games and you can get it at Target. Yeah. Um, and then later it'll be available everywhere. And at only U.S. Target stores too.
0: Yeah, I think that Target thing answers your first question about why now. Uh, I know that, or I have heard to tell that the Essentials Kit came out because Target said, we want to sell something in your store. We, we don't sell books, but we sell boxes. Yeah. So could you give us a box set? and that's what they did so this could have been having nothing to do with games Mm -hmm. Uh, because i thought the same thing why now why not in a year when the movie's out why not when you do five point five six edition whatever why now and and the answer could simply be target said hey we're all out of the essentials kit but we've got people wanting more make us make us a box set and you know, these sorts of business things, these business opportunities can just as easily drive something than, you know, having to do with the game itself.
1: Yeah. And I I picked this up. Uh, did it come out on August 1st? No. When? Yes. Yes, I yes? think so. Okay. Yes. So I picked it up on the 5th and it was the only copy left on the shelf. Like there was the one, you know, mm-hmm. and the, and the title, you know, on the little bar thing at the bottom of, of the aisle. Of uh, the shelf, you know, that this is where they are. And there was just that one and mm-hmm. I grabbed it. And so to me, that suggests that's good. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, there weren't nine of them there, or 10 of them. Right. It was, it was, yeah. I took the last one. Maybe they have more in the back, but somebody has been purchasing them and that's a good sign.
0: Yeah. I'm not near a target. So I had to order mine through target.com, mm-hmm. um, and got it relatively quickly. So, uh, so let's go you know, the business side of things. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, Let's talk about what's in it. Sound good? Yeah. Okay, so we'll, I'll list what's in it, and then we'll go discuss each individually. Mm-hmm. There's the starter set rule book, uh, <clears throat> which has all the rules. There's the uh, Dragons of Stormwreck Isle Adventure, which is obviously an adventure. There are six polyhedral dice. There are five pre-generated characters. There is a welcome... Uh, adventurer, and continue your journey, glossy insert, a one-page insert. And that's it. That's what's in, obviously, the box. So that's everything that's in there. So let's talk about each thing individually. Um, let's, and and, and okay. let's talk
1: about the price point because that's yeah. uh, $20, dollars nineteen yep. ninety-nine, uh And that compares uh, – as being five dollars cheaper than the Essentials Kit, and I don't mm-hmm. remember what the price was of the first Starter Set.
0: Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I could run to my shelf and look, but I'll look it up
1: while we're talking. Yeah,
0: okay. So in in this uh, in this box is the Starter Set rulebook, as we discussed. So what is this rulebook? It's twenty six pages, which is the same size as the original Starter Set, and about half the size of the Essentials Kit rulebook essentials kit had more spells. It had character creation, class information, and so on. So, uh, what we first noticed is that this does not contain the rules for creating a character, nothing about rolling or choosing your, uh, your ability scores, attributes. Uh, it's just here. You, you can look at the pre-gen character and then here are the rules for playing, uh, did you want to mention
1: anything? Yeah, yet? so I, I did look up the price. The original was 20 dollars $20, so, okay. so it it really in a lot of ways this returns us to that sort of starter set and steps mm-hmm. back from the essentials approach which is to sort of say, hey, you have the starter set. Here's another sort of starter set mark 2 that adds new-, new things, a new class, um, you know, some some different pregens. Uh, a, a, it it and an upgraded thing, right? It was that thicker paper, the heavier count, all of that. Um, this steps it back, and in fact, almost even pairs it down a little more compared to the original starter set. In that there are fewer—I think a few fewer spells—and it's a little more streamlined and focused.
0: Yeah, when I when I looked at this you know, rule book, the first thing I thought was, okay, they really took the time to think about how do we want to teach this game. We don't. We don't want to rely anymore on a dm who knows what's happening running these new players through and being able to just sort of sand over the rough batches we want to really step it all the way back and i think they did actually a pretty good job of that um for players and and maybe less so but still significantly for dms
1: and i was really surprised especially by the uh the stranger things starter set i thought boy if you ever want to just baby introduce people into things you know just mm-hmm. step by step really tell people literally what to do here's the the case right because you yeah. could really be 90 percent of stranger things fan and pick this up and it was almost the same as the starter or essentials language and yeah. that surprised me because i thought it was going to really break it down this does a better job but you know clearly somebody went through and said mm-hmm. okay how do i repurpose this text what should i remove what should i yeah. reorganize or or cut and and, it, and, it, and I think it reads much better because of that.
0: Yep. Uh, and as you note know in the show notes, it really does tweak the presentation uh, in, in different ways to get to the gist of what the player or what the game master needs to know and doesn't try to explain more than what they need to know.
1: Yeah, like every one of these box sets has the same uh, example of play text, yeah. Which is interesting with these like, you know, skeletal guards up ahead and this like ruins of towers, and then describes the play between the DM and, and the character and you know what they all say to each other. Um yeah. but but how it dresses that up and explains that has changed uh and been reorganized and it and it does work a lot better. Um yeah. and we of course get this getting started section yeah. that is interesting because it says uh, you know, read this introduction, read chapter one, and then go online for additional information. Which is which is an interesting thing to to sort of do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, and, there's, and a, there's
0: yeah, there's a QR yeah. code and a link to videos, videos not only for game masters but videos also for players to sort of introduce you. And they take a whole section on being a player versus being a DM to explain that clearly right away. But there's a rhythm of play section. It's the second thing that they cover. And I think it's great because it sort of breaks down how play works in a way that even players who've been playing for years might not have thought about where it's DM presents a a situation. You know, player either asks for clarification or describes what their character tries to do. And then the DM adjudicates based on either you know, what the DM knows or the die roll plus what the DM knows to say what happens and then reset the scene back to step one. And to break it down into that three-step process, I think is super helpful for players who uh, are coming into the game and just completely lost. If you can give yeah. a nice three-step process, it makes it so much easier.
1: And, and that three-step process does appear slightly different wording uh, in the original starter set, but but it's done first the example of play, then sort of this broad kind of what D&D is type information, right. then talking about the dice, and then it gets into the structure of play. Right. So this this whole retooling of it is is a lot better, mm-hmm. um, which is hard. I mean, if anybody's done this sort of developmental work, yeah. editorial work, y- you can, you know, it feels like you're beating your head against a wall to try to create the right, uh, right. result. But, but I think it does. I think this is yeah. a far better way to organize it. Um There's a piece here that's terms to remember. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very interesting because some of them are things that you think like, oh, okay, like, you know, what is a character sheet? Mm-hmm. But then there are things like a dungeon. I'm like, do we need to define a dungeon? Like, I don't know that. <laughs> It's an indoor adventure location, whether underground in a castle or in a city. Okay, yeah. sure. You know, there, there's some funny kind of decisions yeah. still that I could see, but it, but it's also vastly shorter. So it's just these two pages. You know, it's an open spread yeah. tells you what you really need to do about the, the about the basics of the game, and then it walks into playing the game in the next chapter.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you know, the, it, it is. It, it, if you if we step all the way back and say. To somebody who's never played D D, have never played a role-playing game, have no concept of fantasy at all. And mm-hmm. I've had these conversations before. You know, somebody will say, You you work on that Dungeons and Dragons game, and I'll be like, Yeah, and they're like, Well, what is it? So I'll try to explain mm-hmm. it. they're like, Well, do you only fight dragons and dungeons? Right? Yeah. So yeah. to to step all the way back and say, <laughs> when we say Dungeons and Dragons, what we're really talking about are Settings and monsters.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: You, your character's in a setting and they're fighting monsters. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's why, because they also, I think, I don't have in front of me, but I think they define monster, right? As Yeah, as yeah. NPCs. They, they define creature
1: and right. then they define monster as being hostile. Right. So, you actually, know... actually, no, e- even if it's benevolent, benevolent. Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, and they and, say a monster with a personal name is sometimes called an npc so it's interesting that sort of they they say creature right and then they say monster yeah yeah
0: and and so that's that i'm glad even if you can you know argue about the specifics i'm glad they had the the foresight to say how far back do we need to step mm-hmm. let's step all the way back all let's way de- back. let's really define these things um so I'm, I'm glad they do that and the reason they can do that is because they did get rid of the how to build a character section. And so many times that's the first thing that goes into the book, and there's so many heavy rules that the the players never get past that to understand the actual basics of the game. And sometimes a game master is not uh, either in the position to or capable of actually teaching those basics without hitting somebody with, definitions with words that are not defined and and confusing to the players
1: and along those lines there used to be in the previous versions uh, a whole section of you know a charisma saving throw a constitution saving throw a you know they walk through every Mm -hmm. ability and so now they just tell you here's saving throws how they work determine the ability to use set the difficulty class roll the d20 and then there's Mm -hmm. a table that walks through skills and abilities that gives you the idea of the kinds of things that are involved and that really covers it just fine right you don't yeah. need to go into that level of detail uh, yeah. one thing i meant to say that i have found fascinating i believe it's in all of these versions though i could be wrong so they don't mention the basic rules okay and I always am super curious about the thought process behind that because I imagine it must be deliberate to not say, hey, there's this free basic rules document with more spells, more, you mm-hmm. know, the information on how to make characters, like all of that. And as far as I can tell, nothing here is sending you to that.
0: Yeah. They do advertise the player's handbook, monster manual, and dungeon master's guide, but I i don't remember i of the basic role so that's a good point uh so within this booklet uh chapter one th- there's the introduction which we've already talked about where they define things talk about the rhythm of play address uh, being a player versus being a dm and so on then for p- the chapter one playing the game they talk about the ability scores the d20 role what proficiency means uh, advantage versus disadvantage ability Checks and skills, um, saving throws, social interaction, the environment, combat, and resting. And so those are the subsections within the playing the game chapter. And it's all good stuff. You know, they've pare it down pretty well to get to the really nuts and bolts of what a player would need to know uh, and what a DM would need to know, a new DM in running the game.
1: Yeah, by the way, I did just check. The original starter set does have a What's Next section that points to the free rules being at, at the website. Mm-hmm. And here, the new version just talks about the core books. That's interesting to yeah. step back from that a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yes. So what did you think about this section? Yeah, I liked it. I, thought it.
0: I thought it did a good job of paring away things that might be important but that the player for this first adventure just don't need. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, as I've watched DMs and people try to teach to new players, the main problem is they try to do too much. Mm-hmm. And I've been I've been that person before, right? You sit down and you're so excited to teach the new players that you're like, okay, this is what this is and oh by the way, this, this and this, and oh, yeah. because of that, this, this and this. And you're not teaching it's like building a piece of furniture that you have to screw yeah you have to screw yeah. in twenty screws, and you don't want to screw the one in all the way and then go to the next one. you want to screw them in halfway and then screw yeah, the next one right. halfway and then slowly get to that point you you want to hit all the major points first without delving too deeply into minutiae that is interesting and it's fun and and it's all that, but it's it's too much for a new player yeah. to absorb all at once,
1: yeah yeah um. And, and they do a lot of this paring down, right? Like Chapter 2 equipment really mm-hmm. pairs down on the items. It doesn't include all the magic items the way the Essentials set did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really is just a streamlined focus on the things you really need, which is great.
0: Yeah, and you know this is something that I wanted to talk about for a new version <laughs> of the game, which is how much equipment do we really need? <laughs> uh, do we need 27 different kinds of melee weapons that are light that do one D4 or 1D six. Or or do we go with here, here are, you know, here's a weapon, it's does a D4, but it's bludgeoning. This one's one D4, but it does slashing. Here's one D4, but it does piercing. Then we go to Marshall. And you know, do we need obviously for those of us who have been playing forever and love different kinds of weapons and different things you can do with it? I understand the need for all those weapons. For new players, do we need that?
1: Yeah, and um, and especially when it kind of doesn't matter, right? When when the like, if you think of original Dungeons Dragons, everything was a d6 damage. Right. You could throw a hammer at something; it'd be d6 damage. Great sword, d6 damage. And then we started getting into lots of other things they had weapon speeds or they a weapon mm-hmm. would have a different way of performing it's a certain armor and then right. it super mattered and and even as we stepped away from those roles it was still important you know all these feats all these other interactions but we've right. stepped away from that a fair bit to the point where in fifth edition there are bigger factors in most cases than the weapon mm-hmm. you wield outside of probably feats being the main thing right. and right. sometimes a class ability or two but but in general, it sort of doesn't matter. And if it, and, and do we want it to matter? And does the player really want it to matter?
0: Yeah. And it's okay if you want it to matter, right? It's okay if you want a hundred different weapons with all these different uh, bat attributes and abilities and and stuff. There's <laughs> there's a place for that, but do we need it in a game that speaks to new players or to quote unquote right average players who are more into the story part of it and don't need to have the weapon that has the brutal trait that where you get to re-roll that d6 and slow the game down uh, and, and does it doesn't
1: even get used because for all those options everybody's wielding a long sword so many times right in so many editions right. of the game and it's like why do we have all this you know, we have morning stars and maces, and and yet it's great sword and it's long sword, and you know, mm-hmm. and and so it gets, yeah. it gets a little boring when you have all this. Anyway, we're we're getting into the weeds, but but uh, right. but I think that is an important question of of yeah. what should the equipment be, and to what extent, where, where sh- should it matter what you choose, and in what way? What does it do for the game to make yep. a choice of a weapon? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's why I wanted to, you know, sort of yeah. meld our topics of a review mm-hmm. of this plus that because these questions are important yeah. um, when for teaching a game versus selling the twenty seventh supplement, uh, you know, complete weapon master uh, book. So there you go. And then the third chapter is spells and the spells are not there are listed on the character sheets, but they are not spelled out. Uh, no pun intended, on the character sheets. So if anyone is playing the spellcasting characters, they need to be able to access the book to see what
1: their spells do. And and that's a pet peeve for me. Um, If if I've found one thing running the starter set over the years, which I've run a, a fair bit, is... You know, if you if and and I come prepared for this because I know, but I see all the time, like say at conventions, someone's running the starter set, and the players who are spell ca- playing a spellcaster character have no idea what the spells do. They have to pull this one rule book and thumb through it every time they want to do something. And you have at least two characters, the the wizard and the cleric, who have to do that. Uh, in this case, you also have the paladin that might need to do that. Um, and that's really weak. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just think a, a slip of paper, a handout for each character with the summary of your spells mm-hmm. really needs to happen yeah. for a starter set to, to play well. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, right. w- what I've seen happen, with, with, especially with younger kids, but really any new people, is they don't use their spells. Right. And they just sit there using the mace or the dagger or whatever. And it's like, no, it's really important that you use your guiding bolt right now in this hard combat. Right. And they're like, I'll use my mace. Yeah. Because they don't want to look up what this thing does. Right. And even
0: if you don't put the entire spell on there, tell the player what it does because Mm. that they can then make a choice at least. Because one of the drawbacks of putting the entire spell on there is that sort of an, uh, analysis paralysis of, yeah. I have to read all my spells before I make the decision about what to do. And then uh, since I'm learning then my next round, I have to read them all again before I decide if it says this will damage a creature with fire. Uh, this will right, mi- um, charm a creature into becoming your friend for a minute just putting those little descriptors will then allow the player to say, "Ooh, I can use this without having to go read the entire spell."
1: Yeah, and, and this these character sheets are dense because <clears throat> they must cover everything that is is being done by the class and 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 any of its and the race and all of that because none of that's explained in the book anymore. Right. So since we're not telling you what a dwarf is, we're not telling you what a high elf is, the character sheet must do so. And that means this is some dense text that has to tell you, you know, how spells work, how spell slots work, it gives you a little space to write down your prepared spell. Yeah. It tells you what your, you know, high elf does. Well, and that's another thing. The rules that we saw that talked about elves resting differently is that mm-hmm. in an Canon, or did that get published Oh. because oh, these was are it? the old way that an elf does a trance and it, just sleep yeah and they don't yeah. change their proficiencies but i, could, I couldn't remember was it
0: what... was it in monsters uh of the multiverse oh, yeah, it's in, yeah yeah these the multiverse but all the new. so versions. i find
1: that interesting these are the yeah. older versions yeah they don't change their proficiency
0: yeah
1: and i wonder if that was a disconnect you know kind of when this started to get written versus when it right finished or yeah yeah, it's the old version of the elf not the new version i thought that was really interesting that is interesting
0: uh so yeah that was chapter three spells then the the appendix on the back cover are the conditions and conditions i have a feeling we're going to talk about a lot when we talk about 5e you know moving forward but we'll we'll just leave it at that there um so yeah you can see why as we break down 5e that this book spoke to us and, you know, showed us some of the basics that they might be changing or highlighting or, you know, at least thinking about for, for a new edition.
1: Yeah. And um looking at the character sheet, they moved equipment to be mm-hmm. where personalities, ideals, bonds, flaws are. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the character sheet, they don't have those. Right. But to the background, they append a personal goal mm-hmm. um, that is um, focused on the adventure, which is somewhat similar to what the original starter set did. But but I yep. think a little more focused. But um, yeah. but it's interesting that they remove those bonds, ideals, and so on. Versus the starter set, the first starter set had those, and then also had a goal.
0: Yep, it's true. So the, the, the pre-gen, since we're on those are a wood elf fighter, a light fought halfling rogue, a high elf wizard, a human paladin and a bill mm-hmm. dwarf cleric. And, you know, I think they do move things around. I think they're still doing a pretty good job of putting the right tools in the right places, um, at low level. And with new players, they tend to focus on equipment more than, you know, we might as experienced players, uh, so I think it's good to get that information out there if only to answer the question of what do I have, what tools do I have to use to to uh, take care of the problems that I'm about to face. And the answer might be you rarely will. Oh, you might go for your rope every now and then. Oh, you're climbing. Well, okay, you have a hammer and you have some pittons to, to climb with. But, you know, that's that's
1: it I, my uh my gaming group loves to i don't know why, but we we love to harp on this. what is the d c to climb a rope, mm-hmm. and I don't mean this in the mike shea sly flourish way, but <laughs> if you look like previous editions would say like, oh, you know the d c of climbing a rope is x, and if it's a knotted mm-hmm. rope, it's y. Right. And and all of this was made out of this idea that when you're climbing you would use rope, which is very iconic play of right. D D. And the wording, I forget if it's in the DMG or the players' hand, but but the wording that exists almost makes you think that you don't need to check if there's a rope, but it's mm-hmm. not clear. Yeah. And and I find that really interesting because it's almost like equipment doesn't matter in 5e. Yeah, I, yeah, that's... You, you get this yeah. bundle of it. Right. And it's almost like, well, you've done all the things you need to do, you're done. And it's like, well, why do I have an equipment section?
0: Right. Yeah, it's it's true. And that's in my grand plan of discussing 5e stuff. Equipment is definitely on that list yeah. of how much do you want to emphasize equipment? Because really what equipment, if you, if you super emphasize it, all you're doing is adding a more complex system to the game now not only do you does your race give you things and your class give you things and your background give you things and you can have feats and now equipment if you break everything down to just math right equipment is just the a a variable in doing something if you can't yeah. use your class ability you can't use your race ability okay now we're going to go to equipment oh i don't have a spell to climb so now i'm going to see if i have a rope decline. climb uh and so it's it's a we may gloss over it but it's a really complex game mechanical system if you emphasize it
1: and and you don't necessarily have to go deep right like i'm thinking of like the modifia system for dune or star trek where they will say you know do you have a thing and other rpgs do this too but do you have something that aids you yeah. You have a tool that well it does then then you get a boost to your role in the following way sure because you're you know being helped sort of the equivalent of advantage uh but what that lets you do is you can have a vastly different gear set across characters and that allows it to then interact with the environment and the dm and the players mm-hmm. that, that creates this sort of rich interaction like well i've got you know my pocket translator can i use that when i'm speaking to them in right. this way or uh, just all kinds of gear ideas. And, and when I was playing uh, Dune, I found that that came up quite often where we would come up with clever ways to use the equipment, which makes you feel neat for the things that you have. Right. And 5e, very interestingly, strips away any uniqueness, even if you're, you know, you have this, whatever it's called, Scholar's Pack or whatever versus the right. Dungeoneer's Pack, like, Explorer's Pack. They're all pretty much the same and, and the differences yeah. almost don't matter or never come up in play anymore. Right. right. And do we want that?
0: Well, it's the whole reason, though, that that works is because you know D and D is a d twenty based and add a modifier against a DC game, whereas the game you're describing, you get to add a d twenty, so that it's it's a more uh, set kind of story based where the the amount of success you get matters as much as just pass fail, that's a whole different thing. So, I mean, you could do it with D&D, whereas you have a certain type of rope that you add a plus two to your check if you're using. You have a really super kind of rope where you have advantage if you're using it. Then you have this magical rope where you automatically succeed if you're using it. And so you could do that for like all the different situations. And does it work? Yes. Is it elegant? Not necessarily, and again, you're adding a subsystem to a game that's already complicated by by that.
1: Well, or 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 not depending on how you do it, though I, I know where you're coming from. But the, the um, if I think of like AD&D play, right, and there would be like Belladonna and Wolfsbane and Holy Water and various other things that wouldn't necessarily have a specific description of what they did. Mm-hmm. And yet you would buy it a mirror is another good example right and you'd come up with ways to use it Mm -hmm. and um i mean the only thing i maybe have seen in fifth edition is where people will buy wax and put it in their ears Mm -hmm. to prevent an audio effect like a you know siren call type harpy call right but but other than that you don't see a lot of kind of clever use of equipment but we used to do that a lot in order to play
0: yes totally the The issue with that, though, was, you know, you would play with one group, and you would use that wax trick, and it automatically works. You would play with this other group, and you would do the wax trick, and either it wouldn't work at all, or they'd actually penalize you. Well, now you're deaf, so you can't cast spells, and it doesn't really help you. Or, well, I'll give you a plus two to your saving throw. But, you know, so so there was... It's, yeah, it's true. Right. It's totally there, but it's not mechanized in a way that mm. you could understand how it was actually going to play out based on the rules itself. It was all based on DM fiat and how well you could argue your point. Um, so, yeah, it's and that, that's a fun way to play sometimes. But in the aggregate, over millions of people playing, it, it turns into a frustration Rather, yeah. you know, on the whole, rather than a benefit. Whew. Okay, so we're talking about equipment.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, I mean, it is, it's a fant- fascinating aspect and it's, and it's interesting to see, you know, what they included in this list, which is a super small list. I mean, this equipment yeah. list is, I don't know, I'm just going to look at it quickly, like 10 things. Yep. There's very, very little in this version under adventuring gear. Uh yep. And that's surprising. I mean, candle, disguise kit, healer's kit, holy water, lantern, lock, oil, quiver, rations, rope, shield, thieves, tools, tinderbox, torch. That's it. Yeah. All the other stuff is gone. Yep. And uh, and Ed, does that mean anything? You know, I mean, maybe it's just what they wanted to pare down on, on space. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. It's very interesting that it's that focused.
0: Yeah. I don't think it means anything in terms of looking forward to what they might do. I think it's more we want to teach this with as few variables as possible. So let's just put in the the things that are the most important that people might say, how do I see in the dark? How do I pick a lock? There you go. Um, okay. So that was the, uh, that was the starter set rule book. Uh, let's talk about the adventure itself. Um, I know this is where my, my interest was fully engaged. Uh, so okay. the, the first thing they do, uh, they have a section called Running the Adventure. Uh, chapter one is Dragon's Rest. Uh, tra- chapter two is Seagrove Caves. Chapter three, Cursed Shipwreck. Chapter four, Clifftop Observatory. And then the appendix is Creatures and Magic Items.
1: Um, Can I we're also gonna... say, yeah. Mike Schley art. Yeah. Uh, and so it's always, I'm always interesting, I'm always curious, you know, when do they turn on the Mike's, Mike Schley yeah, go to art. Um, I love the way he does ships. So I'm always happy there's some ships in here. And so I love yeah. how he does that. Plus, I love his art anyway. But it's always always interesting when they choose that look yeah. versus the rest of the book has the same black and white art mm-hmm. that we've seen in previous starter sets. And then a couple of art pieces that are based on the D&D cartoon. Right. With some slight changes of, of what shows up. But yeah. a, a lot of uh, Eric the Cavalier showing up but with a long sword and and so it's it's interesting to see yeah the art is an interesting approach here
0: yeah I I so rarely focus on art that I believe what you're telling me but I I couldn't uh, that's
1: funny I'm totally the opposite like to me art is an enormous part of the experience and so I found it actually jarring that it still uses this same Art. Like, I mean, given the resources of wizards, like, why do we have this amazing art of a blue dragon and these two cartoon characters, n- not cartoon style, but from the D&D cartoon right. fighting? And then, you know, my next page is, you know, some of the, the, which I like Richard Witter's style, don't get me wrong, but his art kind of sketch art right. of like a goblin and two dice that I've seen everywhere. And then it just continues on with this sort of sketch approach. And, and right. I like the art. Uh, and then the chapter heading is always this new art that's based on the cartoon. Right. Um, so we have, you know, presto casting a spell and a yep. cat running around and, you know, but it's like, to me, it's a disconnect. These two art styles. Yeah. Um, for the, it, for the set, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know. Yeah. I, to me, I found that very interesting that they were like, hey, I just use the same art from all the other box sets. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: so in the adventure, uh, running the adventure is the first, uh, this first section. It gives some pretty good background on the basics of dming uh doesn't over explain which i like uh, but you know gives everything that the dm even a new dm would need to know uh and then you noticed about the intro guidance from lost mind
1: yeah so there is some similar text here to what appears in lost mind of found elver in terms of how to uh, approach running the adventure But, um, so it's things like the DM is a storyteller. The DM is a referee. The DM is a role player. And I think that's all good text, but then they add these DM tips of embrace the shared story. It's not a competition, be fair and flexible, modify the adventures, suit your tastes, keep a notepad handy. Um, and, and that continues on in that they generally do a good job of walking through, a new section of the adventure and giving you good advice as to what to do, which Mm -hmm. was really lacking from lost mine.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, So like the first two pages gives you uh, that. Then there's two pages on sort of what a dungeon master does. Don't worry about making mistakes. Um, This is what hit points mean. So it's, it's four pages of that sort of information before you get to the adventure. And I think that's about as much as I would want to to make a DM go through before I actually getting to the thing that they're going to be running.
1: Um, I mean, it's still better. Like when we reviewed the introduction of lots of published adventures, right? I mean, some of those had like twenty pages of understand Baldur's Gate or, yeah. or you know the Avernus War or whatever the the Out of the Abyss. Like some of those things had just a ton of intro. Yeah. So I agree. Two pages is sweet. Get me to the to the action. Um, which it then does, and, and the concept. We'd, our first box text is on a boat going to this new island that never existed in the Forgotten Realms before, but now it's here, detailed yep. for us, new location. Yeah. And 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 it it reminds the DM that hey, every character has a goal. So mm. let's go around the table and introduce the characters, and tell everybody sort of what your goal is. And the yep. character sheets themselves sort of have some prompts, not just that goal, but some prompts on how to sort of, you know, name your character and flesh it out in some way.
0: Yeah, and I love that. I love the fact that, the you know, you set it at the table, you get small talk out of the way. The first thing that happens is the DM reads this box text. So it's not in contingent on the DM to make something up. The DM is doing it. And then it says, ask the players to introduce their characters. Now, the players have hopefully... Uh, watch those videos that you can link to. And even if they didn't, the character sheet gives them a cheat sheet for how to respond to that question of who are you? What do you look like? Why are you here? Um, so you're not forcing the players into an awkward position. You know, it's it might be awkward for them to speak in front of a group, but it's not awkward for them to do something that they've never done before because they have a cheat sheet on their character sheet that would allow them to, to get right into it with this sort of support.
1: Yeah. I like that. Um, I can envision more direct ways of, you know, uh, involving characters, but, but I think it's good. I think it's sound. And the very next thing that happens is you're walking up the shore towards this temple uh, and three zombies, come out of the edge of the water, drowned yep. sailors. And what's interesting about it is you don't necessarily have to fight them. Sure. And, and I thought that was interesting that it says that, you know, they're going to move, but they move slowly and it points out that out to the DM. So the characters can really outrun them and just go on to the temple and be like, yeah, no, I'm not messing with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then they'll face them later. Which is right.
0: Cool. Yeah. And we're not going to spoil much of the adventure. Uh, past this point but what i like is not only you know do they get these three zombies but they're important to the story the entire story they're not just the yeah, random, not random random thug mm-hmm. encounter and then you, you know this is a an important part of the story of this island are why these zombies are here so you know being able to tie those in it's good
1: yeah and where i mean you know like like you said we're not going to go deep into this but there are four chapters to this adventure And where, um, so the four chapters are Dragon's Rest, which is this temple location. And the Mm -hmm. idea is that you get to sort of stay here after you meet various NPCs. Then you're going to go to either chapter two or chapter three, Seagrove Mm -hmm. Caves, Cursed Shipwreck, and then to chapter four, Clifftop Observatory for the finale. Mm -hmm. Um, chapter one, I find that it still suffers from what all of these do, which is, too many options like a little too much and it's trying to be open which i appreciate the open play drive but as a new dm when i read you know i tried to put my new dm mindset and i look at kind of you know this beginning part is all great and then i've got some npc interactions with kobolds and that can be fun there's maybe a little too much text there are three humans so now i'm at you know a, a little too many number of npcs yeah. And then it's here are the locations of Dragon's Rest. And it's not clear to me exactly how the players are supposed to explore it, to what extent. So I feel like I have to read all of Dragon's Rest and yeah. be prepared for it because they may explore it or go there. And then I have a Cloyster's Quest section, which both gives me a quest from two NPCs and reminds me of all the individual NPCs. And I'm glad I'm reminded of it, but it means that I have now a very big menu of Mm -hmm. what i can be doing exploring this location running all these quests the new quest and then i have these sort of once you prove yourselves do this and i i thought found myself wanting the job board of uh dragons of ice Spire peak where it's like there are these two or three things to do yeah when they solve them there'll be another one right yeah and and this felt a little overwhelming
0: and and the and the the worst part of it is the designers gave themselves the perfect opportunity. They set themselves up perfectly to make it very, very easy for the game master. Because what they did was they gave every character a goal. And it would have been very easy to say, fighter, your goal is to find this one NPC because they have something that you, that one of your ancestors bequeathed to you put that NPC first as they're climbing the mountain, they come to a rest stop and there's that NPC. Oh, they give you this quest. You go do that. Then the next, and it's very linear, but it's still very story driven. It's very driven by what the players, what their characters want. And you can keep those wide open options uh, in there as an illusion of choice. But you're you're setting this out. And I feel like even the goals they gave, they wasted that opportunity by saying, yeah. "Well, you want to go see the spiritual leader because he will talk to you about your future as opposed to something very concrete that would lead to a very concrete quest in a specific order to help the DM, this these new DMs uh, tell a great story very tied to the characters. In a, a much more easy-to-manage manner.
1: 100% agree. My least favorite is the wizard. So the wizard gets a discover lost knowledge, mm-hmm. and they have this letter that speaks of this arcane observatory on a nearby island built yep. by wizards long gone. So go to Dragon's Rest, five, find the Elden Runara, who can set you on the path to discovering the knowledge your friend never found. Right. And what we're told to do, which you have to as DM find in all of this information, is to say... Oh, yeah, many sought the knowledge. I can direct you there, but first, you need to show me you're worthy, yeah, and like don't do non actionable stuff, so it's yeah. like, yeah, go sit over there, buddy, Wait for your turn, you know, like, and right. then someone else gets something that's a lot more concrete, and that feels yeah. way better, yeah, but then the fighter's also quite vague and and yeah. almost like you know in a new it'll happen in another adventure, and it's like yeah. what like why you just yeah. This is a spotlight moment. Right. So help the DM put the spotlight on them and and make it cool. Yeah. Uh,
0: (laughs) Yep. It it, it was – the structure was right there. Mm -hmm. It was just waiting to be used, and it just sort of skirted around it. Um, And it's not to say that the adventure is terrible because it's not. Uh, It's just these sorts of things that a new DM might have to go through – we, we being designers and, and veteran players, often forget what it was like to to take that first step, especially if you never got to play before you DM'd. Um, and we really need to, for these introductory products, um, break it down and make it as as simple and as elegant as possible. Um, Not simple in terms of the story or the fun, but simple in terms of the steps that the DM needs to take uh, all at once.
1: Yeah, and and the, you know, the map of Stormwreck Isle is very simple in that it's, you know, this mountainous place with a few X's on it. And so it's not obvious sort of how travel around this place would kind of work. Mm -hmm. And we're given a number of additional encounters that we can also run on top of all the other things to sort of spice travel up. But but there's nothing that's really telling us what the travel is like to say, you know, go to the caves. But but it's just, you know, and I'd like a little more guidance there to say, like, hey, a good pacing is right. Right. Yeah. Um, And to even address things like but maybe they you know, what happens if they get almost TPK, you know, fighting one of these encounters that were given. Mm-hmm. um and then we're still still supposed to go to the sea game, should they should they turn back you know like it, it's not clear um yeah how that should all work right. um i do think the encounters are cool they're a neat you know what you're doing is neat there's some neat lore to the various locations that ties into greater forgotten realms lore um you know the locations look epic and sound fun and, and, and are exciting to run i think it's great you know okay. it's all short um Mm-hmm. You know, page 35 is the end of the adventure, and then we've got a few magic items and the yeah. creature stat blocks and so on. So the whole thing is 48 pages, yeah. um, which is fairly short compared to, certainly short compared to Dragons of Icepire Peak, uh, and still short compared to Lost Mine of Found Elver, which clocks in at 64 pages and 51 by the adventure conclusion.
0: Yeah. So I, I think it could be fun to run, you know, for veterans mm-hmm. or new new DMs. Um, I think pacing, like you sort of started to mention, you know, pacing is one of the hardest things for even experienced DMs to get, handle correctly, handle in a way that is fun for the game and fun for the story. But I think it's hard to give advice on that when the game itself doesn't understand what it wants to do with it. Uh, so I, I can forgive them that uh, in in this adventure. Uh, so uh, the adventures there, there we. St- oh, go ahead.
1: I just. Last thing is, just do we want to talk about the kind of online component a bit?
0: Yeah, I wanted to mention the dice. There are Mm -hmm. six of them. There's no extra d10 to make percentile dice, and no extra d6s or d20s. So it's just uh, the main six, uh, which is
1: that was found in the at least essentials kit. I don't recall if uh, the starter, if the lost, the original starter set had it, but yeah, it's a pared down, yeah, just the basics.
0: And then we get the. For me, the most important thing in the book or in the box is that glossy one-page mm-hmm. insert. Um, on one side, it says, Welcome, Adventurer. And you're supposed to you know, read that to get links to videos about how to run this, how to be a player. And they're really good videos. They're short, um, at least the ones I watched were short, but they literally walk you through how to play and not just how to play in general, but how to play this specific game and these specific characters,
1: yeah, which like is which character to pick.
0: Yeah. And, and that is so important. And I hope that it gets used when I was on a different podcast, I was, you know, expounding on what I wish was in this before I had seen it. And I said, yeah. if they didn't put videos in that go through this specific adventure and tell you how to play it, they lost the chance and someone said they did put that in. And I'm like, sweet. So good job on that.
1: And and all the videos are in, uh, I thought it was Elvish, but I'm told it's British, Ah, uh, British English. It's a <laughs> fine line difference, but yeah, it, yes. it's like English, but different. Uh-huh. Um, a little crispier. <laughs> um, so that was nice. Yeah. Uh, but they're really, you know, they are really well done videos. They're well produced. Um, and, and, uh, and yeah, it's things like, um, if you click on the four dungeon masters section, it says encounter walkthrough drowned sailors, yeah. right? So here's your very first encounter. Let's walk through it. That's great. Um, how to prep for storm wreck, uh, continue the adventure. And then so it's, it's not a lot that's there, mm-hmm. but it is a good, a really nice start. Mm-hmm. And it does have things like, you know, how to role play. What is a saving throw? What is an ability check? And, and yeah, all really well done.
0: So I was I was happy to see that. Uh, And then, of course, on the other side was the continue your journey where you get links to buy other books or get other content. Um, And, you know, I did note that they didn't like like they did with the essentials kit, have more adventures for you to run. Mm -hmm. You know, that's it's great. It's nice to have that. But I think it's more important to have how to play be the focus rather than here's what you can play next so yeah i yeah, think and that's great how they
1: organize it so the, the sheet you know on on the side that has the what else to do it's level up which shows the essentials kit develop yep. your story the three core books expand your world which has Xanathars and tasha's a dice kit and then some recent adventures curse of strahd they're you know kind of yeah. most popular one wild beyond the Witchlight, and and Dale, which i would not have included there but um but no Monsters of the Multiverse. Right. It's like, wait, did you guys... For, is that, was this made before then? You know what happened? Yeah. Uh, and then a whole bunch of, you know, here's our Twitter, our Facebook, DMskill.com, yeah. Yeah. the main website, Discord, YouTube, Twitch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very interesting to see. But you're right it doesn't specifically say sort of you know and doesn't say adventures league which i thought was also very interesting that they didn't choose to say as some of the previous sets have said you know we have a whole organized play thing join this large community yep here's Mm -hmm. how and and the get started thing doesn't have that either so i thought you know boy this would be a great um uh a a place to say you know you're a dungeon master hey you want to hone your skills yeah Go see how all these other DMs do it. Be part of this enormous community, and same thing for players, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's I can understand sometimes why the Adventures League has its own rules, and it can complicate things for new players if the person teaching the game goes more into the Adventures League side of the rules than the actual role-playing game side of the rules. Uh, but yeah, I think it would have been. Would have been good to to include that as well. What I noticed was what's not in the box. Oh, that we might oh. have
1: expected. Well, actually, before can I just yeah. touching on this video piece? Um, sure. So there on this get started place, there's what is D and D, how to play, how to DM, and then for educators, which we mentioned on a previous um, uh, episode. But they have a webinar on building emotional literacy through D and D, So, of mm-hmm. their first in the series um they have a, a DD classroom curriculum section which is mm-hmm. going to be coming in fall 2022 and you can sign up to be notified yep. uh D after school kit which you can now request through the customer service request portal mm-hmm. uh it says the page may be magic branded but ignore that <laughs> i love that it's like yeah. you know just make it work um yep. and uh, kits will arrive in September for all reservations placed by August 1st. So if you're running a D and D program, mm-hmm. get in there and get your name on this. Cause you're going to get uh, this free kit that helps you run uh, a school program and it's coming out soon. So you've got this month to sign up for it when well, that's, that's super cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I know that there's been a big push to, to get D and D into the schools and after school programs and so on. So, Um, all good all good stuff so what's not there that we might have expected Mm -hmm. there's no poster maps uh there's there's and and i'm okay with that uh i (laughs) would you know i would have loved to see a poster map of the island without a grid and maybe a poster map of the the town Draw, you know not the town because it's not even a town the temple area um but by putting in that poster map with the five foot grid you're sort of putting an, an onus on the dm to to run that way so mm-hmm. i i wasn't upset i would have loved to see something nice and glossy to show the the players information wise but in not in terms of needing to run combat on a grid
1: yeah i i, I kind of agree the the, the map I think this adventure does not the way it's written doesn't super need a map especially like I mentioned that the the island isn't your typical location you know typical locations sort of have like a very variety of paths you might explore uh and and places like you know the the dense wood the tall peak the whatever and and yeah. in those places encounters can be had None of that is the case here. They're just three dots that literally could be anywhere on this map. It's, it's inconsequential, you know. Yeah. On the circumference of their island are three spots, and there's yeah. no trails shown between them. Right. And so it's really, and, and then you get to randomly place encounters whenever you feel like it. So it's almost like we don't even need that map. And so not making yeah. it a poster map. Yeah, I get yeah. them. It's not just the cost. It's it's sort of not critical.
0: Yeah. And in previous ones, they've had handouts, you know, like mod, uh, magic item. Handouts to, to give to the players. And and initiative cards. Initiative cards, uh, pictures of NPCs, you know, all of that. And, and I'm fine with it being not there because while, while they can be nice and they can add to the game, they can also detract from a game in ways that we might not recognize. <laughs> when you hand out the player sheet, uh, the, you know, the, the character sheet to the player, that's the handout that's most important and if you hand them that but then hand out these 27 other things it draws the players attention away from what they actually should be focusing on if they want to to run to you know to play the game and so less can be more when you're teaching um these these sorts of games
1: yeah yeah that's true though though i think that there could be it, well, the other thing is I don't necessarily want to see duplication, right? So if, like, the Essentials kit has these various, like, pop-out cards, yeah. you know, I don't need other sets to have them. Like, I felt like the um, the the various DM kits, the Wilderness and the Dungeon ones, had, had duplicative things to other yeah. sets. And it's like, well, then my value is lower and I'd like to see new things with each one. But what could be neat, you know, is something that's like a table remind me of the character goals um Mm -hmm. a table reminding me of the npcs that i can have and reference right like some of those things that that you that you find yourself really getting value from when you run adventures all the time right to be like um you know here's the expected flow of play or just there could be things like that that i think would be helpful to have as sort of handouts or reference sheets Mm -hmm. um art to show the players right so there there's the, the new art that's here tends to be, you know, cool images of a of the cartoon TV show characters facing off against threats. But that's not really something you can show the players. True. Sure. Because it's in action. But yeah. like if I could show them this, you know, what Seagrove Cave looks like with these amazing anemones and the water and all that, that'd be really cool but I don't want to reveal the monster that's going to come out and surprise them. True. Um, and, and I always think tomb of horrors, one of the brilliant things it did was have all those handouts so you could show players yeah. and they would just pour over that. Right. It just right. the imagination flew as you just looked at and said like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, what do I do? That's really hard to design mm-hmm. because you have to have a vision for the art before, as you're writing, and then have that fully executed properly right. with no mistakes because you're, yeah. you're feeding off of that and so it's very hard to do that production wise i get why it doesn't happen but to me sure. that would be a really neat thing yeah
0: all right so that gets us through
1: oh yeah no dm screen did we say that
0: no dm screen as well right uh, which i'm personally i'm okay with uh i don't use a dm screen so we're all good. <laughs> uh and you have a choice of 72 other dm screens uh so that uh gets us to the end of this new starter set dragons of stormwreck isle uh any final thoughts before we head off into the wild blue dragon yonder
1: really good i mean the the, the most important thing is you don't want to see any major missteps and i think that's for sure it does not do that right this is not something that's going to land on a new players table and new DMS and, and cause a bad experience. It's, it's a good experience Yep. the the, the science of the starter set has advanced, right? And yes. We may have our, our issues with the, you know, thing here or there, but overall this is, this is strong. It's worth getting. It's a fun adventure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Totally agree. All right. Well, thank you, Teos, uh, for sharing your thoughts and thank you to our patrons for helping us keep this show going and thank you to all our listeners if any of you listeners would like to become patrons you can do so by going to patreon.com slash mmp teos what's up with you on the social media world
1: oh yeah uh i am found at alphastream.org and that will lead you everywhere you need to follow me including the twitters at alphastream how about you sean
0: uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin. You can also follow the podcast's Twitter at DnD. You can also leave comments on our YouTube channel, and we love to hear from you with your thoughts on what we're discussing. Mastering Dungeons is a Misdirected Mark production. So, Teos, now that we've braved the Stormwreck Isle threats, what are we going to do now?
1: We're going to murder some monsters with knotted rope. Yeah, very low.